All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball. Um, coming to you after the opening two games of the Oregon State season, where surprisingly, we're 2-0. and Tied for first in the Pac-12. Undefeated. Undefeated. You heard it here first. Um, I'm here, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here as always with my friend... Sam here. How are you doing today, Andy? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Went out to the real OC today, the Oregon City. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Did a little antique shopping, got around. Pretty good day. How are you doing? You know, I, I'm honestly flying high. You know, typically, in, in certain years, this is getting to be that time of year where a little bit of doubt is starting to creep in concerning mm-hmm. the Beavers. A, a lot of times by this point in the calendar year... You've got a close game with a Chicago State where you lost the turnover margin, maybe even a loss to a a team that finished in the top half of the big sky a season prior. But that's not where we find ourselves right now, is it? This is, I thought last week when um, we got Trace Tinkle signed to the Lakers and we got uh, a contract extension for... um, The most professional news concerning Beavers in in the U.S. at least. We've had weeks where guys have signed in Finland and Italy (laughs) before. But but. never a contract extension with the Spurs. Um, Shout out to the tallest kid in Troutdale. But this weekend might be even better. We're coming off a civil war or... I shouldn't say Civil War. An Oregon football battle victory. Last yes. second touchdown, which is almost unheard of for the Beavers, to beat the Ducks in football. And on top of that, two-game win streak. Where, and one of the games is versus a legit opponent in Cal. Yeah, so the last time we sat down and talked, we thought that, because um, as the schedule presented itself, we had a feeling it was going to change, but the, the plan originally was to play Colorado State and... Um, and and uh, Northwest, and Northwest over the the Thanksgiving break there, but Colorado State had some COVID issues, as we know, and so Cal stepped in. They were also in Corvallis to play those same two teams. Yeah, it was a tournament together, so it was logical that they would just play each other. I didn't feel great about it. I was really, I I said in our group chat, I'm having a little bit of a not playing an NAIA team in our first game freak out right now. Mm-hmm. That uh. A lot more knowns with Cal. They were not very good last year. They did beat the Beavers. Uh, Bradley played very well against them twice. Mm-hmm. So I was I was very trepidatious. But they were really good. They were they were they were really good. And you could tell neither team wanted to start off the season playing with each other. It was an outcome. They were both trying really hard. I think they were looking right. for teams almost like till the day before. Uh, they had to have been, yeah. But so it was a great start to the season, and we're gonna break it all down. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. So, like you were saying, Sam, Oregon State opened its season on uh, Wednesday versus Cal and defeated the Golden Bears 73-61. to uh, Like you said, the game was set up because Colorado State had to pull out because of some COVID cases. I believe they're on pause and for another week even as a program itself. So, it was a huge game uh, the day before Thanksgiving. What kind of stood out to you from the game? Well, like I said, very nervous. A lot of guys were seeing play together for the first time. Um, Total, the transfers are for real. The transfers are for real. That's what everyone's been saying. The transfers are for real. The JUCO products look great. Worth Altashay 
is is he our best player? Should we start off there? He absolutely. He's a little bit better ball handler than I would have said. Um, he's not going to bring the ball up, but he did. I mean, his highlights from that game alone are enough to leave Beaver Nation salivating. Like, get on board with Warth. He, yeah, I called him a poor man's Kenneth Fareed. Um, and I think that's that's not completely inaccurate yeah. two games in. Not completely inaccurate. I might even go, like, a little further and call him more of a poor man's Gerald Wallace. Because he's so... Because he guards on the perimeter, too. He can guard... For, right. If you haven't seen Warth play yet, he had 16 and 8. Um, he only missed two shots. He, Was he 7 of 9 or 7 of 10 in I, that game? I think he's 6 for 8. I've got it. 7 of 10 from the field seven against Cal. Okay, 7 of 10 from the field for Cal. Had a couple of steals. Had one block, but he altered so many more he's shots. He's going to block plenty of shots this year, yeah. Uh, no, he's super impressive. He's way different than I kind of thought he'd be. He's really lean. He's like a lean 6'7", lean 6'8", really skinny, but he just kind of floats in the air. Like With he's a got, wingspan longer than 6'8", yeah, he's whatever got, it is. He's got super long arms. He's one of those players who just, those athletes who can kind of float around, and they've got such quick second jump that it seems like he's always in the air. Like, he could bite on a fake or go for a steal, miss it, and still be right back in the play. Yeah, he, I mean, so he's going to be an all-conference guy. I think we can we can plant that flag now. All-conference guy, and he's looking great on defense. Like, I'd be very, I feel like right now he's the most impactful defender we have. Yeah, he'll be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. They will probably rob him of it <laughs> to give it to Washington's, you know, the guy they use at the top of their 1-3-1, a it here first. 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations, Matisse Stiebel. <laughs> But um, I we loved Warith. Uh, really, really liked Andela. He get, he kind of to me gave more of what we expected Andela, from him. Yeah, Andela had four points, eleven rebounds. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me about Andela is that his biceps are about the size of the waist of whatever player he's guarding. He is huge. He's he is about huge. an inch shorter than Warith. Yeah, he's um, shorter, but his arms like Warith. He has crazy long arms. And he's just, he looks like a Hulk out there. Like, he's so much bigger and stronger than it looks like every player that they've played so far, at least in these two first two games. I, I realize the, the absurdity of what I'm about to say, but I, I think the Ben Wallace comparison <laughs> applies to Andela as well, which means that we've got two guys. Andela did not start, but he, he is... He did start. He, came, he played a lot, though. No, but he plays starters minutes. Um, I don't really want to talk about Silva that much, but I was surprised that he has started both those games. He started both games, and, and in fairness to Silva, he's played good in the he's 10 minutes that fine. he had. He's scored, he's got a block, he's like he's contributed, you know, he's, he's fine. He's not, and we can kind of get into this more, because it's a new-look Oregon State team, and he's not made necessarily the athlete that looks like we're going to be rolling out there with regularity from now on. No, and I'm fine with him getting that between 7 to 15 minutes a game, depending on the matchup and how things are going. I wouldn't use him to start the game but maybe Wayne just thinks that he's out there for the tip off I'm gonna have him out in three minutes anyways (laughs) and he's not even but he doesn't even jump tip Warth jumps the tip you're kidding no Warth jumped both tips okay so I real quickly I will say YouTube TV does not have the Pac-12 network so I have watched both of these games but not live and yeah that escaped me okay so that that was my possible offered (laughs) explanation for it but and also i want to shout out youtube tv come on it's 65 bucks a month i have youtube tv too and you can't get the pac-12 network like get over yourself truly go fuck yourself why do we have you that ruined my my wednesday before thanksgiving terrible terrible i had no idea they didn't have it um the defense looks great just kind of on that end. Between Andel and Altashay kind of holding down the middle. And then Kalu, he had eight points, uh, four rebounds. He had a couple – he had a three. 
He's he looks about six eight. He looks about the same size height wise as Altashay, maybe like an inch shorter. He's a stud defender. He's out there. We played so much man to man, hardly any zone. That was maybe my favorite thing because you know the day will come with all that length and athleticism that they will throw a zone at somebody. Uh-huh. It's Wayne's calling card when things are to change things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, just ace in his ace up his sleeve, and so. But they don't. They shouldn't need to resort to that they to win look, games. It really looks like a throwback team to Wayne's first couple years, where it was super hard nosed man to man defense with great rotations, great help defense, play a strong baseline, strong middle, and it's I don't know. It was really impressive. It really was like to shout out Nick Dashell. Come on the podcast, Nick. Um, when he asked Wayne, like, seems like some of your toughness has slipped the last couple years. I feel like that's come back. The toughness is yes. Back. Yes, I, Wayne clearly agreed with the sentiment. The explanation he offered um, was very transparent and see-through. What he wanted to say, I think, was, well, now we have different players. We have a dude who's a literal bull from Kilgore, Texas, <laughs> um, along with Alatiche. I will say about Kalu that I, I envision him frustrating me more than anything else this season. He's so talented. He's but, t- He's talented. He's you can tell he hasn't quite harnessed what his role maybe on the team tends to, to float. And I don't. I've never liked that that kind of ambiguous term. But we know it when we see it. And mm-hmm. he, you know, for him to have eight points and four rebounds in in and the he's minutes he got. Um, and, and I do one thing I really appreciate about uh, Kalu, and I think we'll see it more is that right now breaking people down off the dribble, making plays for other people. We don't have a ton of it. Um, Steve or Ethan Thompson had fifteen, seven, and six. He loves playing with these guys. You can tell he enjoys playing with this team more than bringing the ball up for Trace. No, for sure he's moving. He he's making a lot of good plays. But between him and then Reichel also made some plays off the dribble. But between those two guys, after that, especially with uh, Silver and then Gianni Hunt being out for mm-hmm. the first couple games, we didn't have any real uh, person who could take a dribble and make a pass. And Kalu did that a couple times just to keep the offense flowing. So even if his numbers don't really reflect it. I did feel more calm with them on the court, like a more confidence in the team. And they were a little bit sloppy because they could have used Hunt, especially, to yeah. bring the ball up. Some at one point I, I had written down in the first half, uh, Cal was outscoring them twelve to zero in points off of turnovers, and they were still ahead, which means <laughs> they have more talented players Definitely. than Cal. And for the first time in a long time it feels like we won the rebounding advantage. We won forty three to thirty two, which is like something that was not happening at all last season. We were never out-rebounding the other teams. No, and yeah, it was a good 11 uh, or so. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> what is it? Nothing. Oh, no, sorry. I can't hear what Chelsea because she's like... Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, we can edit that out. Or we'll not. Edit, we'll edit that out. But or, or we won't. Who knows? We'll leave it in. Just a little look behind the curtain for everybody. <laughs> in there. But yeah, the fact that they out-rebounded a, a, a conference team was probably the biggest thrill for me. I will say, and one other final note on the game is, um, I've got to apologize to Matt Bradley, because uh, we called him fat. And he's, he's looking very spelled, it's, yes. It's, I have just written down, Matt Bradley, not fat. No, it's... um. <laughs> He was a year ago. Uh, 2020 has been a year of change for a lot of people. Yeah, thankfully, it did not help his jump shot no, he Wednesday still had, night. He still had 21. He still looked good, but yeah, definitely not bad. He looks like the type of guy who's been in quarantine doing a 1,000 push-ups a day. Like he's, right. He's yoked. 
Yeah, um, and so uh, he scares me very much when those two teams will play again. Uh, we'll see. Cal did have less practice time than Oregon State, to be fair. But again, just honestly, if you watch the game, it, for the first time in a long time, you would say, wow, Oregon State is more athletic than Cal. Right, which is, yeah, signified by the fact that they had more turnovers, um, were sloppy early, missing guys, and still... I don't. They never trailed in that game, did they, they? Never trailed, and it never really got super close where you felt like it was going to come out. I guess one more final note on that game is that Alfred Holland, who we've kind of talked about a little bit. I want to talk about him just a second. We've, yeah, we've kind of hated on him a little bit in the previous years and seasons. And I got to say, he uh, for a guy who's been a starter all of last year and for part of the year before as a sophomore to come in as a senior and he got his spot taken. Like he didn't start either of these two games, and he wasn't even the first guy off the bench. He was like the seventh or eighth guy coming in. But he hit a big three against Cal. He's playing hard. He's staying within himself. And I think that's – I was really impressed because I know how hard that is for a player, like especially your senior year, to kind of lose your spot to somebody. To still have that attitude and still play the way he did, I was really impressed. Yeah, and he was so overextended in his role the past two seasons, especially as a freshman. When he was still coming off the bench, he looked a little bit more promising. But right. you're right. In the 17 minutes he's getting, he's he is a – to coin an NBA term, he's a three and D guy now. Yeah. He he guards. He can switch on people. He's athletic, and he shoots catch and shoot threes. Right, and right. he doesn't have to do anything else. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, okay, moving on. So the Beavers also their second game of the year. They played uh, Northwest University, which is an NAI school out of uh, Bellevue, Washington, and they destroyed them, a hundred and fourteen to forty two, seventy two point one. What and I don't. We don't need to go on and on about trashing this Northwest team, but they were atrocious. They were uh, not, we were talking before the podcast, they didn't look good for an NAI team. No, they, they won 18 games a season ago, and as we talked about, so it's a fairly successful season, mm-hmm. um, lost 12 games, so you know, not a great team at that level, and they lost their be- their three best players yeah, they lost from their that team. Score. So they're obviously still coming together. Um, they had an actual fat player. They did, I was going to say, yes, whereas Matt Bradley, we kind of Gave him that label when he didn't deserve it. Yeah, this the, guy. This guy was actually fat. Their center six seven. They said on the program two fifty. There's no way two hundred fifty. There's no way he's two hundred fifty pounds. Maybe when he was a freshman in high school. Well, and it's two. You in a game like that, you have to give us a number. We're all, like the people <laughs> watching that game deserve to know. You know, you got to acknowledge that there's a fat guy out there, and he just the elephant in the room. You know, and occasionally with these D1 teams, they'll have a fat post that has tremendous footwork and hands, even if he isn't so athletic and uh, still impresses you. And this was not the case. He did not even move like an athlete. No, yeah, he was... Yeah, and I think, honestly, though, he was one of their best players. Their offense was really focused on trying to get him the ball. He was having trouble against the Beavers because they were refusing uh, to let the ball into the post. That is one thing I wanted to note is that the defensive intensity didn't let up at all from Cal to Northwest. From a D1 school to NAI school, that's one thing that jumped out to me, is that they were super into it the whole game. Yeah, they Wayne did not call the dogs off. They, Isaac Barnes is the uh, the walk-on on the team. He played five minutes and c- clearly could have gone for 20 and 10 if they had <laughs> let him. He's the 6'9 guy. Yeah. Um, probably not going to get any meaningful minutes in games for the Beavs this year. Was by far the best player you know, on oh, the Northwest, you no, know, for switch sh- teams. Oh, for sure. They, uh, the Yeah, the Beavs really, he, Wayne did not call the dogs off. In the first half, there was literally a 30-0 to zero run. There was a stretch where they didn't let the team cross half court for like six possessions in a row. It became very 
you know, sixth grade basketball running clock type situation. It wasn't necessarily the best look. I'll just put it on the fact that the Beavers maybe haven't had a lot of experience blowing teams out, and we didn't quite... I don't really think there's a reason to beat a team by 72 points, but... No, I think that Wayne decided to use it as a conditioning thing. I don't think anybody on the team played more than 22, 23 minutes, so yeah. obviously and every, getting anybody, everybody out there. Every, and it wasn't like he didn't play everyone. Every single healthy player on OSU played. Including, uh, now that we had some confusion about this initially, because I did not, I missed this game in live time, but Tariq Silver did play against... Tariq Silver played, yeah. Uh, hit a corner three. He's going to be good, too. He's going to be good. He's, he looks strong. Yeah, he played. He had an ankle injury, I think, that kept him out of the first game. Gianni Hunt's coming back from a concussion. And it, obviously, yeah, Hunt did not play uh, in either, so he will help. But obviously, if if you're going to save him for Cal and then two days later play him against that team, he's got to be good to go, yeah, I he's, think. Yeah, he looked, he looked good when he was out there. He, he looks strong. He'll be a good defender. Um, just another note on this game. This was... <laughs> The second time the Beavers have scored 100 points in uh, Tinkle's tenure at Oregon State. Now, do you, do you have the, the first time pulled up? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, well, we'll have to go back. Let's, Listeners, help us out with that one, because I don't remember it off the top of my head either. Yeah. Um, and that's all I really wanted to cover for that game, so it was a good, good little blowout. Coming up, Oregon State opens up Pac-12 play on Wednesday at 7 o'clock on the Pac-12 channel. Find it not on YouTube TV. <sighs> I'm, I, exactly. I, I'm... I'll put it out there. There's a statute of limitations on these things. I don't think they're going to find me. I'm going to go an illegal route to watch this game because YouTube TV uh, screwed the pooch on this one. It's a classic tale of corporations forcing people into crime. You see it. The tale is old as time. You see it every day. You see it more and more. It's a shame. (laughs) Capitalism at its finest. At its finest. Moving on to something a little more pure. Washington State basketball. That's who Pat yes. are opening up the Pac-12. They played Cal, but it was a non-conference game versus conference opponent, so it's not going to count on the conference slate. I want to make that clear. Still a very good win to have. Still, Unusual circumstances. Doesn't happen very often. A great win to have. But the first conference game will be against Washington State. Um, Washington State's coming off. They're also 2-0, although by yeah. a less impressive margin. So they played Texas Southern, who we were both talking about, who looked good. Looked like an athletic team. Yeah. Um, they beat them by four points, and then they played Eastern Washington and beat them by three. Isaac Bonton in two games for them. Again, he's, it's come up a lot on this podcast lately, but shout-outs to Park Rose High School. And Park Rose. Mr. Bonton, who, uh, yeah. He's a rough rider. Or is... They're the Bronx. Oh, they're the Bronx. Roosevelt is, yeah, the, rough is the rough riders, That's right, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, he really gets to do whatever he wants. He was 7-25 of 25 in their first game and 3-16 of 16 in their second. Yeah, he had. I did love his first game. I caught part of it. He had 28, um, and he was like the only one who scored. Like They had five it's players who scored, and he had 28 points, and the next highest was nine. So he was really just doing what he wanted to do. So let, let me say this about Washington State, and maybe I'm just in the mood to fan the flames on some rivalries, given how this weekend's gone, <laughs> Duck fans. But um, I did not care for the how the difference in how uh, the three-man weave treated Washington State in their Pac-12 preview versus the Beavers. People are so much higher on Washington State than Oregon State for some reason. I think it's the unknowns of the JUCOs, definitely. That's part of it, and I think, yeah, the natural assumption is that they would not be very good, right. uh, or at least not as good as they are. But I think a direct quote from one of them is, if they had Ellaby back, I'd be ready to say they'd be top half of the conference. And so, they, in other words, the team that went 6-12 and 12 in league <laughs> lose and then lost a 22-point-a-game scorer who went in the draft um, is not going to be 
quite as good as he, they were with him. And clearly they miss him. Uh, they need a second gunner like Bond. And he him. was a great, and he was just like an athletic stud. Like he's an NBA athlete. LB was fun to watch last year. He was six seven, six eight. He got yeah. rebounds, put up threes. Like he was, he was a good player. It's obvious they'd miss him. But you know, Oregon State's missing our all time leading scorer, and maybe not missing him as much as we thought we would, but still. Right, the the exactly. They weren't able to load up with with new guys the same way the Beavers were. I can't remember the the name of the dude that was huge for them against Eastern Washington, who was uh, a good team last year. Noah, Noah Williams is their other guard, so they're kind of yeah. like, they're a guard dominant team. Uh, Washington they shoot State. a ton of threes. They shoot a ton of threes in their first game versus Texas Southern. They shot twenty eight in their second game versus Eastern Washington. They shot thirty. Um, they're not good at shooting threes. I mean, no, they're, they're not making any of them. They went five for twenty-eight and ten for thirty, so they're fifteen for fifty-eight right now, which is not where you want to be as a team. And and given we watch uh, Oregon State basketball religiously, so of course the next game you expect them to kind of bust out of this. But that's true. I do feel like it's a decent matchup. They don't get much offense from their bigs. They they're going to shoot a ton of threes. They're going to shoot a ton of threes. They don't rebound very well, so it'll be interesting to see if. Oregon State can keep carrying on that as a strength because uh, Washington State was out-rebounded by Texas Southern, and then they only um, beat Eastern Washington by two rebounds. So they're really not hitting the glass hard. And that in the first two games for the Beavers, that seems to be like a real focus yeah. for Wayne. And Eastern Washington was not a big team. I didn't see all that game, but they played six players, too. Right. And they gave up a late lead probably because of fatigue as yeah. much as anything else. And so the Beavers obviously have more depth than that. So you want to make a prediction on the Washington State game? Because I'm feeling right now, I'm looking through orange-colored glasses, and I'm predicting a Beaver victory. I absolutely am. Do you want to th- throw a score? What, uh, I'll say Beavers 68, Washington State. Uh, I'll keep it close like Cal 60. It's going to be a close but not too close game. Okay. I, I'll, I'll go just barely more optimistic than you and say Beavers 72, Cal 59. Okay. They'll hit some threes. They'll stress us out. They'll miss way more than they make. <laughs> um, right. And, and the, the advantage on the board. Alatiche is going to go for a double-double. I think, yeah, the key is just keeping up that effort. If the Beavers keep playing with the effort that they had in the first two games, I think this team can fight to the middle of the Pac-12, honestly. And so that might be an overreaction, but seeing how much we're better than no, that. No, no, no. But I, right, this is, it's it's a weekend of hope. It's a weekend of giving <laughs> thanks. And, um, right, I, I think that it's 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 not foolish to, to it's and it's a reason to celebrate that the top half of the conference is absolutely in reach. We'll see how the Arizonas and the Oregons look the as Ar- this goes on. Arizona, I did watch their game, and they look, uh, to me, they look good. They've Their center has the longest arms of anyone I've ever mm-hmm. seen in my life. I think he's 7'1 or 7'2, and his arms look, they like hang to the floor. So he was pretty impressive. USC had a close game, but they've got their uh, McDonald's All-American on their team. They're looking pretty good. UCLA's maybe looking a little more reachable than people thought. They lost their first game to San Diego State, then went to triple overdime with Pepperdine. Yes, um, s- opponents probably of similar quality to what Washington State has faced, honestly. Honestly, yeah. So it's the top, and, and or University of Oregon hasn't played a game yet, so it's kind of tough to tell with them. But yeah, the top doesn't look as impenetrable as it did maybe at the start of the year, and especially with the new talent that Oregon State's brought in that looks legitimate. Who that knows? Is, while Oregon is scrimmaging and practicing and scrambling a schedule together, they're, right. they're out there gelling, so to speak. True. And then after um, 
Oregon State plays Washington State on Wednesday. It's back to our non-conference setup, and we're going to play Wyoming on Sunday. Wyoming, historically, just an easy Beaver victory. Wayne always likes to get a Wyoming game in. Which them. I've never understood. They they played at Wyoming in Laramie <laughs> a season ago, right. and that in recent years has actually been a pretty good program, but last year they were terrible. They were terrible. They had an NBA player go to the NBA draft like two or three years ago, so they, yeah. they, they put out quality players from time to time, but they've been very bad the last two years. And, uh, yeah, the Beavers blew them out, looked very good. That was the first, when I really jumped on the Gianni Hunt bandwagon, mm-hmm. was that game. Yeah, he uh, came out firing in that game. Not realizing just how poor that team was. So, again, I think that we can assume that they're not going to be much better this year. Yeah, I think that's. I think you pencil it in for a win. We're looking at a 4-0 start with two conference games, or conference opponents at least, in those first four games, which is... Not what people were predicting for the Beavers to start the year off at all. No, and I I don't want to start to seem spoiled. It's it's very morosely sad that I feel spoiled by a two and zero start with the game and against an NAI I NAIA program. But I will say I kind of wish that there was a better team remaining on their non conference slate. We'll talk about University of Portland later. Yeah, well, but yeah. they're awful, and so is um. Well, Texas San Antonio is probably okay. Yeah, they're I they're okay. I saw one of their games, um, or part of one of their games. They looked fine. I think this year, even more so than just having quality opponents, though, it's just going to be can you get the games in? Because so many games are getting canceled left and right and not getting played that I think just overall, as long as you can play some games, that's going to look good. Come right. committee time. And having a team <laughs> from Texas on your schedule is very worrisome that, for a number of reasons. Yes, it is. Um, all right, so let's we'll check back in after um, the game on Sunday, put one up, kind of looking forward, talking a lot of trash about University of Portland because there's a lot to say. Be excited for that, yeah. Um, going on, we got a bygone beaver. So this week I decided to look up Omari Johnson, a classic Oregon State um Player He played at Oregon State from 2007 to 2011. In four seasons with the Beavs, he appeared in 120 games, started 67 of them, and averaged 6.4 points and four rebounds per game. Omari Johnson, to me, is really... He kind of encapsulates what it meant to be a Beaver basketball fan in those years. The fact that he averaged six points and four rebounds a game uh, is is blood boiling even to this day for me nine years later uh he was on the the 0-8 team J. John slash Kevin Mouton team uh-huh. and then uh of course won won a CBI as a sophomore yeah went to another CBI game never seemed to get any better he, as a beaver he's one of those guys who's an NBA body you know he's 6'8 right. 220 he's athletic very he's, soft touch I will say that watching him shoot in warm-ups Ability to swish a three without the net budging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great shooter, and that's kind of what he's. I don't know. When I picked Omari, it's just because I've always seen him floating around the G League, and he's still playing. Like he was still even playing in the G League last year, and he has such pedestrian stats at Oregon State. But if you look back, he's probably one of the more long tenured professional players to come from the program. In oh, the easily in the top ten for sure, if mm-hmm. not top five up there. Of the last twenty years, per se, he's he's j- the the first guy after the Eric Morelands and and that group of guys that <laughs> the you fr- know the Drew Eubanks that have really established themselves as household names household in the NBA. Names. Yeah. So uh, in doing a little bygone Beaver research, I looked up the newest 
most recent news article containing uh, stuff about Omari Johnson comes from SB Nation with the title, Let's Appreciate Some Former Main Red Claws. Uh, Main Red <laughs> Talk about clickbait, you know. <laughs> Main Red Claws are a, a G League team. Uh, and they just they were doing a profile on former players. Omari played with them from 2014 to 2016. And I just loved uh, the opening line of their review of them. Uh, one of the most reoccurring characters in the ongoing saga that is the D slash G League over the six seasons or so has been the talented 6'9 forward known as Amari Johnson. Despite a forgettable run with Oregon State and three, <laughs> wow. and three seasons playing in Canada and Spanish ABC League, Johnson entered the D League during the 2014-2015 season and was immediately able to shine as one of the league's best forwards. Now, let me let me interject really quick. Call his run at Oregon State forgettable if you must. I mean, I can remember a Game 3 of a CBI run that wasn't so forgettable, but... We all know which one he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. My thing, though, is that, yes, it is kind of mind-numbing that he had to start his professional career in Canada, of all places, but he averaged like 40 points a game, and that wasn't a forgettable time for him at all. He was, a, he was an MVP. He was the Wayne Gretzky of Canadian basketball. Yeah, he, I mean, he, you've got to ball out in those leagues to, to make the jump up into G League territory. So, so yeah, so he's still... Um, He's still been playing in the G League and in Lithuania. He split times, uh, played for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, played for the Memphis Hustle. He actually got a, a contract from Memphis for about like part of a season. In total, he's played 75 minutes of NBA basketball over the course of his career. Yeah, also, you know, a, a name in summer league circles I've become a, very familiar with. He's played in that league six, seven times as uh, well. Yeah, he's a, he's a famous summer league player for sure. So shout out to Mari Johnson. I miss watching you out there running around. You're an athlete. You're a good player. We I don't care what you, anyone says. Omari, I I have fond memories. I remember. I recall uh, his freshman season. He referred to a game early in the conference slate when they were like zero and three, zero and four, as as must win if they're going to turn this around and become you know a, a postseason threat. They got to start to. And uh, when Jay John was asked about that. He didn't even try to be like, that's awesome, see? Like, my guy, he was just like, that's that's pretty cool he thinks that. <laughs> I know he means it, but we got to be prepared for how ugly this is going to get for a while. And it's it sure did. It really sure did. Oh, so thank you, Omari, for be, having that true beaver spirit. True beaver spirit, true. All right, um, do you have any shout-outs as we uh, wrap up? Ah. Uh, no, I know you've got a couple, um, got- but yeah, thank you to everybody listening, the people on Angry Beeves. Uh, we got a new review, so uh, shout-outs to Jesse, who who uh, who gave us a review on oh, we got Apple Podcasts. Was it good? It was a good one. They said, keep up the good work, and uh, that they've been lucky enough. They didn't specify how old they were to, to have been a season ticket, ticket holder their entire life. Um and that they believe that in our lifetime, uh, the Beavs will make an NCAA tournament without a Thompson, a Tinkle, a Tarver <laughs> on the roster. And you know what? I, I love the sentiment, but I'm hoping this year we can make one with, with a Thompson, at least, on the roster. That's true. Hey, shout out to you. Thank you for leaving a review. Anyone else out there, please leave a review, leave a subscription, whatever they do on podcasts. Doesn't yeah, do, do the thing. Do the thing. Um, yeah, I do have a shout out just because, like Sam said, it was Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for my family. I got to shout out my cousin Carrie, um, Carrie Miller. She's a councilwoman in Lewiston, Idaho. 
she, I told her that I had this podcast over a family Zoom call. I told her it was about Oregon State basketball. And she said that she got an autograph from AC Green when she was a kid. And I asked her to tell me the story, and the story is this. Her dad's a lawyer. He was working with some guy who said he knew everyone on the Lakers. And he asked who her favorite, who his daughter's favorite player on the Lakers was. He said AC Green. As but, as anybody's as answer anybody would, would have been AC, throughout AC Green's tenure. AC Green. This is in the nineties too. This is early nineties, so it's if keep that in mind for a point of reference. He said, "Okay, perfect. I'll get his autograph for you." And, you know, her dad's like, "Whatever." The next day, the guy comes back with a pair of AC Green shoes. That he'd signed with a little message. And on the shoes, it said, Jesus Christ loves you, A.C. Green. <sighs> just the, got that, that story just really does have that A.C. Green flair it to it. It does have that A.C. Green flair uh, to it. I 1,000% believe that he insisted that it be shoes <laughs> that someone said no just you know this piece of stationary paper will be just fine ac thank you for doing this maybe a little mini basketball he said no i'm gonna go to the back it's gonna take five ten minutes of my time but i'll do it with a smile on my face i'm sending some sneakers that are a little tight you know for my my feet mm-hmm. send some sneakers with a little message of god's love right well god it wouldn't be an AC Green story without... If, if he didn't mention Jesus. Yes, without that <laughs> try heavily talking, factoring in it. Try talking to AC Green without him bringing up Jesus. <laughs> right, which is a frustrating thing as an Oregon State men's basketball fan. Because you know Jesus has completely turned his back on this program a long time Time ago. and time again. <laughs> um, all right, but yeah, that's just so... Uh, shout out to my cousin Carrie. Shout out to the Lewiston uh, City Council. They're doing a great job out there, I assume. Um... As always, this is the Peyton Years. We'll do another one next Sunday. We're in the throes of the season. It's a beaver year. Hopefully, yeah, we'll be celebrating a, a win over the Cougs and a start to December at 3-0. and So, as always, we'll see you next week. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. Fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. A little extra, because, yeah, that game.